everyone, Kareem Ray here. Today we have Mr. Gary Green, who's an American businessman and entrepreneur. Mr. Gary and his partner, Larry Botel own Alliance Sports LLC, based in New York City, which was formed back in 2009. Um, also, Alliance Sports LLC is the managing partner of Union Omaha, which is an American professional soccer team playing in the USL League One, based in Omaha, Nebraska. The team, the team debuted in 2020 and won the League One Championship back in 2021. Mr. Gary, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, just starting right off the bat, when I read that, that, uh, you know, a year from you guys joining in the league, you guys won. I, I, I was like, that's impressive. Um, so how, how'd you guys do that? Did you guys do like the money ball strategy or what was your, you know, strategy? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, yeah, I wish I could uh, tell you that's what it was because I love money ball and I love analytics, but you know, when it comes to the, the soccer on the field, you know, we leave that to our, our soccer technical staff and headed by Coach Jay Mims. And, you know, he deserves uh, most of the credit um, along with his staff and along with the players, of course, um, of what happens uh, on the field. And, you know, we have a great front office staff and it's our job to make sure that everything runs well off the field and on the field and just make sure we put our players in the right um, situation to win. So I think the first year, you know, any new team, and this is interesting, any two new team coming in during a season that can be scouting players while all the other teams that exist are playing kind of gives them a leg up and extra time to do that. So I think, and again, I've spoken with Jay about this, and I think that really helped us year one as far as having you know, a great team when everybody else had a one-year head start. So it was a team that started well, got better, all of a sudden was in a little bit of a scoring drought and then hit our stride and, and during a COVID impacted year, uh, we were deep in the heart of COVID and made the finals. And, you know, we were on our way to Greenville. We had beat Greenville um, at their building earlier in the year. We were, I remember it was, it was like 11 o'clock at night. I went to sleep. I was all excited to get up the next day and fly to Greenville for the championship. And I knew there were some COVID tests coming in overnight, and I just figured it would all be okay. Set the alarm for 7 a.m. 8 a.m. I get the call that the team didn't board the plane, that we got the COVID test, and we didn't, we couldn't feel the team. And so um, that was really hard and disappointing. Um, you know, COVID's affected a lot of people in a lot of different ways, and people have lost their lives. So, um, you know, a lot of people lost their lives. So, you know, losing a soccer championship can't be the end of the world. And, um, and the fact that we were able to come back the following year and beat Greenville decisively um, kind of ma made us feel great about winning that, winning that championship. And, you know, Greenville is such a great organization. I'm not saying any, I would never say anything negative about them because they are consistently one of the best teams in the league. And I think we are consistently one of the best teams in the league. And, um, and those guys do a great job and have a great coach as well. But I think, um, I think our guys, it was extra sweet knowing we didn't get to play the prior year that we won so decisively um, in last year. Got it. I mean, you know, COVID was a hard two years. Um, don't want to tap too much into that, but, you know, it's definitely difficult for a lot of people in the world. Um, you know, the question I usually start off with is, you know, how did you get involved into the beautiful game? Like, why soccer? Sure. No, absolutely. So, um we uh we own a baseball team in Omaha 
in Omaha Storm Chasers. And the USL came in and, um, you know, we, uh, there was a broker who brought the you know, USL Championship franchise deal to us. And we looked at it and we looked at it because we're like, hey, we're a baseball team. We're the major, you know, minor sports league in, minor league sports league in town. We should see what our competition's going to look like. So we looked under the hood, not knowing a lot about soccer. And when we learned how popular soccer was in Omaha, and, you know, there's such a strong collegiate base with UNO and Creighton and, um, and just how strong the market was, we were like, okay, I think we can make this work at a championship level if we're an affiliate of an MLS team where we don't have to carry the payroll because running a championship team is in a, in a baseball stadium would be very difficult. Now you're not allowed to do it, but it's just the, um, the cost structure is higher. So we had, we had a deal, and you know, I've said this before, um, with Sporting Kansas City to be their affiliate instead of the Swope Park Rangers, which now is their, just their MLS uh, next team. Um, and certain people at Sporting Kansas City wanted it. We wanted it. Um, we were going to be partners, be equity partners. And then um, I'd say about three or four months to a projected deadline, um, uh, I, there are some people there, uh, who didn't like it, namely, and, and remember I'm hearing this offhand was the coach didn't like the fact that the players were going to be on the road a hundred percent of the time. And at the time, you know, I was annoyed and upset about it, but now thinking back on it, he was right. It's, it's not great. Now that I know a little bit more about the players and about the sport, having his, um, having his players, um, no matter what level is on the road, a hundred percent of the time probably wouldn't have been the best thing for them. So then USL came to us and say, hey, we're sorry that didn't work out, but we have League One, lower cost structure. Um, you could play it in a baseball stadium until you're ready to get a new stadium, and then you can move up the championship. So um, that's how it all went. We were looking at what would compete with baseball. Then we looked at it and was like, wow, this is a great opportunity. And then, you know, we executed that opportunity. And the thing that, that I learned in my in my research of traveling all over the country and seeing MLS games, seeing USL games, is that soccer fans need um, transparency and they need authenticity. And it was very important for us not to be seen as owners who are just trying to fill dates in a baseball stadium, but owners who are trying to grow an organic soccer movement that would grow and would be, would be powerful and meaningful. So, um, we stated that right away. Like, look, we know what you think of us as, you know, baseball guys trying to fill a stadium. So step one, um, we have, we came up with a great brand. Uh, we have Union Omaha Owls. I can tell you when we came up with the brand, I didn't know that we were going to call ourselves the Owls. Okay. So it's a great horned owl. It's prevalent in Nebraska. Um, the three stars are people, place, and purpose. The shield is U.S. soccer for the World Cup coming in 26. And the name Union Omaha is a nod to Union Pacific, which has their main headquarters in Omaha and originated in Omaha. So for like, we packed a lot into that logo to make it feel authentic. And, and I think everybody agrees we nailed it on the logo. I, I could tell you that we probably saw a hundred of them and 99 of them were terrible. So we just, we got the right one. It was such an easy decision because it was so perfect. I know that some people think the, 
old school soccer ball looks like a volleyball, but you know, we love the history behind that soccer ball. So that was part of the authenticity. Um, we were lucky enough to, um, <clears throat> to hire Jay Mims as our coach. Jay has over 20 years of collegiate um, uh, coaching experience in the market between UNO and Creighton. Um, the true soccer fans in, in Omaha know Jay. And as soon as we did that, they were like, okay, these guys know what they were doing. So did I get, did I get lucky that we found the right coach? I mean, I met Jay and I didn't have to interview any of the coaches because I, he was about the community. He was about growing soccer in the community and, you know, wins and losses, of course, are important, but growing the game in the community and the most important. And I knew Jay would do that. And, you know, what an amazing benefit to that, that he's just winning a lot of games still. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you mentioned the design. Did you guys work with USO for the logo or did you guys, you know, outsource? No, we outsourced. Um, and it's interesting. Um, we have a great company uh, that we use for the minor league baseball team that is absolutely the best in minor league baseball. And we were very comfortable working with them. And they were working with other soccer teams and we just went through a certain process with them. And uh, it was, it was tough because, you know, we like to be loyal to the people that are loyal to us. And it was clear to us that soccer just wasn't going to be their strength and they weren't come up, coming up with anything that we love. So we started working with Matthew Wolf, who was, um, you know, he was uh, uh, much smaller back then. And uh, he, like, he came up with like five things. Four of them were, you know, okay. And just the one nailed it. Like it was such an easy uh, decision. Matt did a great job. And now Matt has exploded since then. But the, the one that we, the reason why I hired Matt is I love the Oakland Roots um, logo that he did. That was the one that really um, got me. And I believe he did the Green Bay um, branding as well. So I really like that as well. So um, yeah, he's uh He's uh, did a great job for us and universally our, our, our branding is loved. Nice. I, I wanted to ask, is there um, any license required to an, acquire a team in USL? Well, um, as far as a license, yeah, we own the license from, from USL. We negotiated for our territory. And um, so we, we bought that license. I believe it's a 10 year license. Yeah. And you know, what does like what does that like you know for myself what does that even mean buying the license of of the team no you should have my partner larry on the phone for this because he handles he handles all the technical part of this but we basically own the um the territory okay. um, i don't know exactly what the territory is but we uh we own the territory of you know nebraska uh i mean union of omaha and west and some east and there's like a concentric circle around you know what we what we uh control and so that's what we own the license for understood um so i mean it, it wouldn't seem my my assumption would it wouldn't seem that it would, it would be hard to get because you guys already own the land and the stadium from the baseball team um that you guys used for uso one um so it it doesn't seem like there would be a lot of navigating to in order to get that license with with saying oh, that it's just money like you negotiate a price and then it's 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 dollars but there was nobody else they could have gone to other people in omaha to try to get this done there's mm -hmm. nobody there's no other 
there's plenty of amateur sports operators out there in Omaha that do a really great job, but there's really no minor league sports operators in Omaha that exist right now that could execute on this. And, and by the way, it's a very, it's a very hard business model to execute within. Um, but we're, we're pretty good at it and it's, it's a lot different than baseball. So we're pretty good at it, but when we get our new stadium, it can move up the championship. I think we're going to be a lot better at it. Nice. That was my next question. If you guys are planning to, to move up the stadium, can we, are we able to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can't really talk about any sites. Um, I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, for a baseball stadium, Warner Park lays out really well. Um, we did not make the mistake that a lot of teams make, and I'll name two, one's not around anymore, Lansing, where they try to cut costs by cutting out the pitcher's mound and, and home plate. We wanted to have the right experience for our fans to be able to see the game and not have the best tickets be the bleachers in center field. So we went with a third base dugout to right field layout, which is an east-west layout for, at, for us. And this way we could have a great vantage point for our fans. Um, I know that Lansing didn't have that. Um, and I think the New York Yankees, uh, NYCFC does it in a way that um, is not ideal for the fans to see as well. So we made the decision, which is at an extra cost to us, us each field flip to give, give the fans the, um, you know, the better, better viewing opportunity. And so Forgot what your question was. Forgot how I got to that point, but uh, but um, that's how we uh, we laid it out. And I think Reno, I don't. I think Reno might have done it the way to save money as well. That wasn't optimal for viewing, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Yeah. Um, See, so you guys are still in League One right now, moving up towards USO Championship. So why why did you guys join USO One first, and then? Why are you guys transitioning into USL Championship now? Yeah, I, I think at a soccer-specific stadium, uh, and history has shown that teams that play in, in non-soccer-specific stadiums, when they go to soccer-specific stadiums, they get a, a huge bump. Case in point, Sporting Kansas City, playing at T-Bone Stadium, and then getting to Children's, uh, Children's Mercy Park. Um, so given that we were going to have a certain revenue structure um for a baseball stadium and not a soccer stadium the league one cost structure was just better um it's just lower fees to the usl it's a lower payroll and you know i think a lot of the uh a lot of the casual fans out there uh probably wouldn't even know the difference between league one and championship i know our hardcore fans would will know the difference um but you get the two extra matches it's a higher valuation. And, you know, I think that Omaha looks at itself as a, as a, you know, not a major league city yet, but we're like a triple A city for baseball and we should be the equivalent of triple A for soccer. Understood. Um, in, in regards to the valuation, um, you know, what, what's the calculation that you would do for the valuation if you're able to, you know, mention the valuation? Um, I, I can't really. And it's so hard. I mean, the valuation is what somebody's willing to pay for, right? So uh, I know that some teams in major cities have raised championship dollars at you know a fifty to seventy-five million dollar valuation. Uh, some you know teams have uh, raised less, 
Um, I know that in League One, um, there was just an investment at a really big valuation. So, um, you know, I think it's I think it's market by market, city by city. But the thing about investment in a soccer team is that, you know, it's it's extreme unless you're the uh, the uh, Atlanta MLS team drawing ninety thousand fans a game. I think that the model of owning a soccer team and having 16 or 18 events while paying players, their housing, um, their food, food and board, um, and running an organization. I think it's extremely difficult on 16 to 20 soccer events to break even or make money. And the reason that soccer, um, soccer teams um, can do well with these stadiums is that they're mixed use projects. There's other buckets of revenue that can support the, the amenity of soccer and soccer creates the amenity of value for the other things that have a return on investment. So, um, you know, it's not like baseball. Baseball, you have 75 events. Um, you don't pay the players. You don't house the players. You basically don't feed the players for the most part. And it's a different, it's a different business model. So um, it's really interesting to be in the same market and run a 50 year mature business and run a three-year-old startup and have them be, have quite, have a lot the same, but so much different as well. And 50 year, 50 year mature business, you've seen everything that could possibly go wrong and know that, know the solution to that mistake because it's existed that long. But when you have a three-year startup, every problem is like a new problem. It's never existed before. So um, we have some overlapping staff, quite a bit actually. And so sometimes it's difficult to have an executive staff who has to think with one part of their hat or one part of their brain, hey, mature business, how do I handle this? Hey, this is a startup, how do I handle this? It's, uh, it's an interesting case study. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good challenge to have. Um, if you were to- Some days. Yeah, if, <laughs> yeah. if you were able to choose to stick to one sport or to manage one sport. Um, I know you're involved in both, but which would it be baseball or soccer? Even though that's you like have, that's like having two children, two children and say <laughs> you love one more. <laughs> I have, I have, I have four children. Okay. I have my, my, uh, I mean, I have my two kids that are, that are 18 and 22. I have my newborn that's 20 months and another one on the way. And then I, and actually, and then I have my baseball team, my soccer team. So that's, that's six children altogether, actually. <laughs> Not four. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then you also mentioned, you know, something very, very, very exciting, the 2026 World Cup, which is down the pipeline four years from now. How are you guys planning to prepare for this this huge wave? Well, hopefully with the new stadium. <laughs> yeah. So okay. that's the best way I could know to prepare for that. But it's interesting though, because you know, to get teams, you, know, you want to be a practice facility for teams, but the World Cup World Cup's played on grass. And if we're going to be a multi, multi-purpose, multi-use community stadium, which, you know, it's hard. You don't get a stadium because, hey, we're Union Omaha and we're going to leave if you don't give us a stadium. It's not, we're not the Buffalo Bills, right? We're not, that's not, it's a community stadium that Union Omaha is going to help finance by being a tenant in the stadium and being able to, you know, do all the business in the stadium. So anyway, back to the question. Yeah, I don't know how it works with World Cup teams playing on turf, even if the turf 
is really good and mirrors grass. So I, we can see. But I know Kansas City is going to be a World Cup city, which is fantastic for us. And sporting Kansas City is a great neighbor to have. And we have a great relationship with us, even though they uh, they beat us in the, in the Open Cup pretty bad. <laughs> but we uh, we love those guys. And, um, you know, we'll do, we'll do anything we can to help them and to help the World Cup and, and thrilled that it's down the road in Kansas City. Got it. Um, there's two things that I wanted to, you know, just quickly pop up here. Um, sure. You mentioned mixed use development. Um, you know, what type of mixed use development, if you don't mind me asking, are you guys, you know, planning to get involved in? Well, hopefully it's office, um, commercial, residential. Um, we're going to have to figure out a practice facility. So, um, you know, and then, you know, us running the building, you know, we could have concerts. And, uh, you know, we, we really feel like from an entertainment perspective that the Latino community in Omaha, which is really growing strong, is underserved. So we would like our stadium, especially if it's downtown or near South Omaha, to kind of fill that, fill that need. Got it. Um, with saying that, we're, you know, I know you have so many years of experience. Where, like, where's, how are you guys planning to raise the capital and what advice would you give to me in regards to raising capital? Um, I can give you better advice once we do it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think if you have a, uh, a project that is good value, that's in a good area, that's good real estate, um, if your soccer team has a great brand, and, you know, I think the key to soccer in this country and, and in Omaha as well, again, looking at it from the baseball soccer perspective, um, you know, soccer, we have 75% hardcore fans, I'd say, and 25% of the casual fan. I think for teams to really catch fire like they have in Phoenix and Albuquerque and, um, and Louisville is that casual fan ratio needs to go up. There needs to be that FOMO factor. All my friends are there this is where I should be on a Saturday night. And I love that the soccer's in the backdrop. I really, it's fun when the team wins, but I'm there because I'm a casual fan. I'm a casual Gen X, I mean, Gen Z or millennial who needs to be at the social gathering on Saturday night. And so, because the hardcore fan we have, they're coming. We know who they are. Um, baseball's the opposite. Baseball, I think we have 20 to 25% hardcore fans. And the rest are casual fans. And, um, and so people have learned to be casual baseball fans in this country. People haven't learned yet to be casual soccer fans. We have the intense soccer fans, which we love, and they're the energy in the stadium. But I think as a sport and as an industry, we need to do a better job getting the casual fan. And that's what, that's what we're looking to do in Omaha. Got it. What about like, you know, with prior projects with baseball or, you know, the current project still that's in USO one, how, how do you, you know, was it more so like, how was it, uh, how was it funded? It, uh, yeah, that's the question. Sure. So we, uh, we did the deal in Omaha. Uh, we have a local ownership group and then we have a separate ownership group who owns the baseball team and, um, and we just put them together. So I think having local ownership is important. Um, and so that's what we did. Understood. What was, you know, you know, for the, the team that's in USL one, what was the biggest challenge uh, that you faced personally in, in acquiring this team? I mean, the biggest challenge was 
sporting Kansas City, you know, calling, pulling the chair out from under us four months out from what we perceived as closing. I mean, it wasn't like we were getting ready to sit down and close and they were like, sorry, you know, they, they, it wasn't, it wasn't last second, but it was something we were working on for over a year. And I think the disappointment of that was tough to get over. Um, then the USL said, you know, wait a second, we have this. And I think that if they didn't have a league one, would we have gone league two? Maybe, maybe, but, um, you know, I don't know. We probably would have gone league two. Um, I think the league two is just, you know, it's a different, different quality of soccer. It's a different business model. So I think that was our toughest thing was doing that. And the other tough thing was our um, inaugural year was during COVID. So we see a lot of really successful teams in league one, like Greenville and Madison, who had that excitement of that inaugural year. They kind of built their sponsorship base up to a certain level. And, you know, we never got a chance to kind of have that. We sold out every match, but selling out was 2,400, you know, so that, and then, and then we had to continue on. 21 was kind of, was kind of a COVID year, but kind of not. And then, you know, we have 22. And so we're setting all kinds of attendance records for ourselves. Last year, we had the largest uh, crowd in USL championship history. Um, this year, we've had our largest crowd. We've broken the record twice. Um, you know, the key for us is corporate groups. Uh, corporate groups for baseball have been our bread and butter. Um, corporate groups in Omaha are very important because offices, a lot of them are working from home. A lot of them are, have worked from home. And these companies, when you could um, put the employees together and try to create some culture that you missed because of COVID and get that culture going at the ballpark, at the soccer pitch, I think it's a lot of value add for companies and we're the perfect spot to kind of get that corporate mojo back again. Got it. I apologize for the time up there. I, uh, for, oh, it's Zoom being a pain. Um, no problem. Great uh, questions. Thank you. Um, you know, the Open Cup, just, you know, how is the Open Cup? Yeah. Uh, I, I, my first Open Cup. Um, and so I didn't know what to expect. Um, it's really, it's really like a crazy thing. You know, we've had to, We've, we kept on winning. Um, you know, I think, I think it was a combination of such a great strategy by Coach Mims, our players' belief in themselves. Um, maybe MLS teams, because the stadiums have been a little empty, not, not playing the way they do around with a full stadium in Minnesota and um, Chicago. So, you know, I think that's it. We went into Kansas City. Um, they did not take us lightly. Uh, Peter Vermees was, you know, said, you know, we're, we, we take them very seriously. They're our neighbor and, um, and we want to win this game. We want to win this game decisively. Um, they're not having a good year this year. I think if you have the opportunity to walk away with some medal at the end of the year, which they're not now because they lost, but, um, you know, they played a very strong game and, you know, Jay made a decision that he wasn't going to have our team play on a teals and play a completely defensive game. And you know, go for extra time and then a shootout. We we were going to score, and so we took that shot. We almost got an early goal, which would have changed the complete complexion of the game. 
Um, but you know, they deserved it and we made a great run and it's kind of hurt us a little bit and that we've had to reschedule a ton of games. And so when you play a reschedule game at home, because it's not on the original schedule, your attendance can tend to be lighter than it was for the originally scheduled game. But, you know, we have a ton of home games now going into a stretch. We're in third place, um, a point behind Richmond, who we play this weekend, two games in hand over them. So uh, we're right where we were almost last year, we're a little ahead last year, right where we want to be. Nice. Um, this question I was really looking forward to asking because this is where we are with um, One Soccer Nation. Um, oh, and I quickly just wanted to, to ask you too, were you at the last month at the mid-year Kentucky meeting? Yes, I was. Oh, okay. Boy, that was, the, that was the hottest game ever. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, was there, I was there last month too. Um, I don't oh, think- I'm sorry, we, I'm sorry we didn't meet. Yeah, no worries. I, I, I don't even think I remember seeing you. There were so many people there. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask that quickly. Um, the question I really wanted to ask you was, I know for the Alliance, you know, Alliance Sports is an LLC. Is it like a, is it a series LLC or is it just like an, L, uh, you know, a master LLC? Uh, I'm not sure of the question, but we're, we're Alliance Sports owns um, uh, four teams and a digital platform. We own Baseball America, which is a published, uh, it's a published magazine and a digital platform. We are owners of the Montgomery Biscuits, the AA affiliate of the Rays, the Richmond Flying Squirrels, uh, which we moved from um, Connecticut to Richmond, um, and AA affiliate for the Giants. And we are the AAA affiliate for the Kansas City Royals in Omaha. Nice. So yeah. that's what Alliance Sports consists of. That's amazing. Um, very, very impressive. Um, Thank you. The, but how'd you guys go about choosing like what to set the entity under, like whether in corporation or an LLC. And like, there's something that I'm currently looking to, it's called series LLC. So you could set up that one time and then other entities underneath it without, you know, paying a filing fee. I think you need to get my partner, Larry, on the phone, on the, on the show, because when it comes to business and the way to structure it, he's so good okay. that I leave it to him. Yeah, that, and that's the key thing. Uh, one of the key things about business is have a partner who kind of fills in the gaps of what you don't do well. And I feel like we we have that. So Larry's uh, definitely much more of a technician than me, and um, yeah, I'm more the uh, the person out there in the front lines, and um, you know, the fan first guy and the the ownership guy, and you know, really kind of the movement. You know, I'm the movement behind all of this. Understood. Yeah. Um, yep. I guess the last question because we're running out. Um, you're the CEO of Alliance Building Services. Was this is this the first company that you started, or what was the first company that you got involved in? And I've recently sold Alliance Building Services, so I probably need to update, or somebody should go online and update Wikipedia. Um, so I recently sold that. I started that uh, in 1992 at the age of 24. Um, started with eight cleaners in the basement of a building on Second Avenue. Um, <clears throat> grew it up until this year. To about 5,000 employees. Wow. Um, we cleaned we clean Yankee Stadium, opened that building, City Field, Empire State Building, um, and um, proud of what we did there, especially during 9 11. Um, and, you know, that growing that business was really exciting for me. And uh, I love the fact that we can employ so many people and make a difference in their lives. And um, it's something that, you know, selling is bittersweet. 
but it's really allowing me to focus more on the sports things and getting a new stadium for you, you know, Omaha. Nice. Wow. It gets me so excited hearing those numbers and just what people have felt. <laughs> it's it just it never it never fails to excite me. But um how <laughs> oh, great, you know. That's I'm I'm happy to hear that and I'm happy to speak anytime. And sometimes what works is if you kind of say it out loud what you want to do, maybe put it on paper, as corny as that sounds. Um, you know, every year I would write down what things I in January, the things I wanted to accomplish that year. And I keep it in the side. I'd look at it every December. And if I nailed it on something, put a check mark and think back about how I did it. And if there was something that wasn't accomplished, think about where I fell short and try to correct that. So I recommend that to any of the young listeners and young business people out there. Nice. I, yeah, I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm currently two, 22. You said you started your company at 24. Um, what advice would you give to myself and you know other young entrepreneurs coming up that you know want to do amazing things like yourself? Sure, sure. Well, find the right business author that you can really connect to. Um, you know, I love Tony Robbins. I've uh, been to a bunch of his seminars and really, um, you know, he's added a lot of value to me. I've never met him. I'm actually supposed to meet him next week. I mean, next month. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then find your mentors in life. You know, the mentors come in, in two in kind of two forms. One is the person who you want to form your behavior after, who you see the way they handle themselves and how their thought process and how they think and say, okay, I can learn a lot from that person. And also your role models can be the people, you know, you see their behavior and you see the way they go, the way they go about things. And you need to not ever be any, that person and what they do and how they behave and the way they hold themselves. And I learned a lot from the people in my life whose um, behavior has been unproductive and negative because it just, it teaches me to be positive um, because I want to go so far on the other spectrum. And um, so I always have those people in mind as you move through your life, the, the positive influences, but also have the negative influences that push you to the positive side. Got it. Um, and I have... Three fun questions, but I know the call might end off soon. So I just, I just want to take the time to, you know, I guess skip that. And just, first of all, you know, or lastly, thank you for taking the time for joining us on the One Soccer Nation podcast today. Oh, no, my pleasure. Great to be here. I've enjoyed it.